Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. I want to let you know about a treat we have for this episode and most upcoming episodes. You can now view the video recording of this episode on the Tiger Pops YouTube channel. So if you want to watch the host faces as we discuss the episode, you can head over to YouTube and search for Tiger Pops podcast to enjoy. See you there. Okay. Hi, everyone. And welcome to episode 53 of Tiger Pops. And today we have Emily and Leslie, and we're going to start off with our favorite or desired side character ship. So I think mine, and this is the change of heart, is Quincy and Cordelia. And the reason why this is surprising to me is because I initially didn't like Cordelia when we first met her because she was mean to Quincy. And I was like, poor Quincy, why are you treating him this way? And now I'm actually writing a fanfic about Quincy that's kind of getting into their heads and I can see why they would click together and I'm on board. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of the two together. Love that. Okay, um, I'm Emily. Um, so my favorite actual ship, side ship would be Erdine, and not Erdine. Um, yeah, Erdine and Gyu. Um, but I feel like that's getting popular now. So I want to go for a crack ship, which is Mr. <laughs> Lamb and Alice, because I think they would be amazing together. Oh, that would be so cute. <laughs> I can absolutely see them hitting it off with her sassiness and like probably like outright sexual energy because you know that ladies break. And Mr. Lamb being all prim and proper, like, well, he's in love with his wife still, but I mean, like, he can have fun. So I'm going for that. Love it. Dead. Like, he can honor her memory by being happy. Exactly. And find I mean, a strong woman. That might not actually be a, 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 like a crack ship. That one actually like would hold some water, I think. Um, you mentioned Cordy though, and I'm going to go with a crack ship. I'm throwing out the ship that I was thinking of, and I'm going to go with a crack ship. I would love to see Erdine and Cordy. Oh, okay. Um, well, they're both very powerful. That yeah, would be interesting. Crack ship. Crack ship. I like. I take no responsibility. <laughs> I can see it though, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah. It would be probably the most stylish shit. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, especially after this episode, which I mean we're gonna get into, but Erdine, yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna see myself to the door for that one. <laughs> just yes. like I will leave the room for those panels, take a cold shower, and come right back. Right. <laughs> I was actually thinking since I got like this Erdine wig, I was like, oh, should I try to dress up as Erdine? I'm like I can't do that level <laughs> of sexiness. So, and nor do I have any, I have a black suit that that would not look like what she was wearing. So, <laughs> and plus I'm not willing to show that much cleavage in public on YouTube. So, <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> so I was like, I won't even try. I'll just, I'll just be me. <laughs> okay, so to recap last episode, gosh, I don't even remember what happened last episode. We had a lot, but basically it ends off with um, them going into the club and a possibly dismembered foot at the entrance of the club, which was not a dismembered foot. <laughs> so, and we start out 
again, Poppy says, by the way, if anybody else wants to summarize, like please feel free to do so. Um, holy fudge biscuits, which is again, Poppy's adorable way of not cursing. <laughs> and we see this amazing cave, it's blue. There's a lot of exclamation points, loud music. And then, you know, she's going in with her wub wub. I'm guessing wub wub is like the roofing, roofers, like the space. Yeah, just like the yeah. That, you, that you hear like before you hear the music, but you hear the bass coming through the floor. So when okay. I first, when I first read that, this shows you that I've been to a club literally all of maybe three times in my life, but I was thinking that her heels were like wobbling. I thought it was yeah. like, wub, wub, as she was walking. And then I was like, wait, no, it's the music. Oh. Yeah. I've never been to a club ever. Um, I mentioned this a lot. I grew up very religious and like going to a bar or a nightclub is like the worst thing you could ever do. So I've been to like- <laughs> They are pretty overrated most of the yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, and I'm but not- there's a I'm, very loud sound you get acquainted with very quickly. <laughs> Yeah. So actually, as soon as they as they walk in and they hear this like the scene, I was like, oh my god, my ears were already killing me, and I was like, I want to get out. I want to get out. <laughs> and I'm I'm an extrovert, but like I was like, so much noise, so much music. I can't. They can't hear themselves talk. I was like, this does not look pleasant. But and especially we know that like Tora is an introvert. Poppy was looking forward to this, but Tora is like not. Nah. And they're walking in with her adorable high heels. Her high heels are so nice. Oh, they're fabulous. Yeah. Oh. I was very impressed. I was like, Poppy, you're, you're dressed to impress. <laughs> Good job, girl. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And obviously Tora looking magnificent. <laughs> Unspeakably magnificent. <laughs> Just cannot oh. be expressed in words. I really can't. <laughs> Someone mentioned it. It looked like like a Michael Jackson like kind of outfit, and like that seemed like a weird comparison. But like I see the style. It's just that Tora pulls it off better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's there is that very 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 distinctive look, especially with like the big panels on the leather jacket. Yes, exactly. Like the thriller red jacket, but in black. Like it was very. Small. But in black. Yeah. Exactly. I actually saw I was, Elvis I, Presley. Tora is not a person who would wear red without a very good reason. Right, yeah. probably, yeah. yeah. I saw Elvis Presley when I first saw this jacket, and that might have been because I lived in Memphis for five years, so I may have been a little yeah. Elvis-centric. <laughs> so they're walking in there, and it's like, as we said, an introvert's worst nightmare. Giant, amazing cave. Like, this place looks amazing. You huge ceilings, like blue, ethereal lights, purple, and there's tons of people oh. dancing. They're, they're silhouetted. And which actually I have this awesome comment somebody said that like relates to that. And then you see this beautiful figure of uh, an angel, right? And that's mm -hmm. the fallen angel. Mm -hmm. Their wings are surrounding them. Looks like this magnificent ice sculpture. I'm assuming it's not ice sculpture, but it's gorgeous. Like the scenery here is unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't, I, you know, I'm going to start this off with something that I can't actually back up because I can't point you to the panel or the episode because I'm just noticing it now. But I feel like that specific, like, whatever um, template Lily pulled this particular angel from, I feel like I've seen it somewhere else in the comics so far. And it's also like the second really explicit, like has its whole panel dedicated to itself fallen angel imagery that we've seen even just in recent episodes with the most recent one being the cherub statue that Vince pulls down and smashes, um, which had this very similar look. And the other thing right. that me was, so angels seem to be like a big theme too, but like there's Quincy's angels. Like there's, they literally like took this mm. The last time that, um, the last episode, 
Poppy was fishing for for information, was saying like, oh, you've been here before, like with Quincy? And he said, yeah, of course with Quincy. And that's making me think like, I don't, like, this is a complete stretch, but like maybe this was like a hangout for them, a safe haven, like club. Like obviously they go here a lot. People know Tora um, when he walks in. And um, I kind of like the idea of like Quincy's angels. Like this was like their kind of hangout mm. spot. Like at first I was thinking like Charlie's angels, which was cute, but like maybe it was more of a moniker to kind of link back to like their little home base. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I can't see I I I can't see Tora liking it as a safe spot for him, but I I totally like what you said because yeah, when he comes in, tons of people know him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were wondering if Quincy owns the nightclub and just didn't want to say it. And well, obviously, like, not that was, a stretch. Yeah, and the hotel right outside being called a princess hotel, like hello, <laughs> <laughs> that was was pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. I also I really love um, this is a bit of a tangent. I love the like the way Lily doubled down on the blue and the purple color scheme and also mad props to the background team on this one. Um, but also, you know, Lily posted, I think in Patreon about how the next, like we're in a new arc, like romance, the romance between Poppy and Tora, like is taking center stage right now. Like that's that's clear in this episode. Um, but I noticed right away, right as we got into that sort of first big wide pan out where you're really seeing what this club looks like, that it is like it, you could put this up next to Regina's Peak and they would just mirror one another to a T. The rich blues, the rich purples, that starscape, all the lights in this cave are making like a, a reflection of that starscape, like from the top of the mountain to literal underground, um, which like that, that sets up what is what I think is probably going to happen in the next episode, two episodes, three episodes of Tora and Poppy talking in this club. You know, it's, it's like, it's a visual foreshadowing because of the scene that Lily set, you know, a dozen episodes ago when we were all losing our minds yeah. over yeah. the top of that mountain. And there's also something really interesting about going from the top of the mountain and having, you know, like Poppy's date to the same scene set in the bowels of the earth for Tora's date and how the, meaningful discussion that they have on the top of the mountain might be about to be mirrored here underground okay i love that more than words can say because so um in that in fact i i can let me in a little bit here but um in that one panel that you were talking about like that one scene um there's a scene where uh like poppies was looking down at the city and tor was looking up at the sky oh, oh. And, yeah so, and now, now they're going into the underground area. The color scheme's the same. Like he's looking out at the vast expanse and she's looking at the city, like the busy lights, the excitement. And he's looking into like the void and like solitude. And like, that's just, that fits here. I really love that concept. I don't know if it was intentional or if it's just like, I don't know, universe speaking to you, but that was absolutely beautiful. I love that, that connection. I'm sure we'll see more of it in the next, like, I, I would bet that they won't get out of this club for another, like, two episodes-ish. Yes. Like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but, yeah, I would, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to how those echoes play out. Because, you know, Lily's such an intentional artist that even if this wasn't her, like, forefront of her mind as she's writing and sketching, like, the number of hours she's working on these panels, like, decisions were made and thought through. 
Right. Absolutely. I think, I think also, um, and I know Lily has said this, that she writes intuitively. And, um, and I think for that many artists um, really, I think they intuitively and unconsciously have a sense of story or symbolism or irony. And sometimes it's not, like you said, it's not the forefront of their mind, but it's there. It's like their life experience speaking through them, or it's like this inspiration and it's there and they can't necessarily articulate it, but it comes through in their writing. And I, I can see mm -hmm. that happening even when the person isn't conscious of it, because yeah. Yeah. when you're, when you're writing, you have your whole life experience just coming through your fingers. And sometimes you don't, you know, you're not thinking of it consciously, but it is expressing itself and other people can pick up on that. There's a quotation somewhere. I, I cannot remember um, right now who said that, but it was a, it's a, it's a very well-respected author of some modern classic who was also teaching writing and somebody some student came up to him and said okay I finished writing my story now shall I put the symbols in um and he said no 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 no. the symbols rise up out of your work on their own you know they 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 come out of your subconscious you finish writing you look back and all of a sudden you see them like strewn out behind you like these Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs and you know Lily is such a fantastic, smart, and like you said, super intuitive, intuitive writer. Um, but there's so many of these things that I think just also bubble straight up out of her subconscious that we find in analyzed Yeah. So somebody made this really, um, well, a lot of people obviously made great comments, but there was one really good, uh, a couple of really good comments about the cave that I wanted to, to highlight. So Misty was saying how, well, we get to it a little further when you see all like the fish. So she was talking about how there is the, these bioluminescent animals that are creating light where there is no light. And that is obviously something she saw that as being Poppy because Poppy is bringing the light to Torah, right? They're down in the cave, Torah, the cave is Torah's world, like they're going down in there. And she, you know, there's the creatures creating light just like Poppy creates light. And um, she was wondering, she was like, you know, is the angel a metaphor for Poppy? Because Poppy is his angel. But then she was like, no, no, Torah is, uh, the fallen angel is him, which is what I thought of last time, especially if we see Quincy's angels, right? Quincy saw his angels as like, you know, they're, they're like people who no one likes and they think they're bad people, but he sees them as angels. So like fallen angel, the whole concept of someone who was once an angel who's fallen, you know, they're being forced into this lifestyle, et cetera. So um, she's, she was even pointing out how like, the, the way that the statue is placed, and they're like lost and forgotten with their wings, like closing them off to the world. Very poignant. Really and, nice. Yeah. Where is the someone? Okay, I think this was hmm, uh, Lady Libris. Yes, that was right. So where she points out that she's viewing this, you guys know the, the allegory of Plato's cave? Yes. I don't think I do. Enlighten me. Yeah. So Plato's, uh, the allegory of Plato's cave, basically like Plato's main idea was like that there's this ideal form. Okay, this is getting a little too outside of this, but he basically sees that, that life is like people in life are like people who have been in a cave their whole entire life. Um, she actually said that people who have not, they haven't been born in the cave, but they've been there in childhood. They're trapped in this cave and they think that this is what life is. And whenever, whatever they see is actually just shadows on the wall of their cave. Like let's say there's a fire and um, anything that they see coming from the outside is just a shadow. But they think that that's what reality is because that's all they've ever known. And really there's a whole life outside the cave and that's the reality. So this is like, you know, for Torah and his underworld, right? The life that they see, that's not, I mean, it is a life. It's a true life for them. It, it's, it does exist. But the real life, like the richer life, the, the, the wonderful life with the sunshine and the trees and the birds and the freedom, that's outside the cave. 
So that's like 100% like the reality that they are seeing. This is why I love this fandom. Like we take this episode and then like apply thousands of years of philosophical allegory of the cave. Like we're talking about Plato now. Like this is this is what this fandom is, and this is why I love all of you. Yeah. It's awesome, right? And Lady uh, Libri, right? Like obviously, literary. That's definitely the name is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and um, P and J and E, pink, pinky. I don't know. I think she was talking about how um, Poppy is still very bright in bright tones, and like yeah. even when she comes in, she's still very pink, and like she's more, she's still the light in his life. Think that's what yes. i wrote <laughs> she's also so pale like she just like shines and then like the dark just like by natural yeah like she just pops in this underworld right i don't There's... think anyone else is wearing that pink color or like that bright color no everybody's in there in, in dark tones there is a panel though um as we you know we get sort of this first big pan out of the the cave and the club itself and we can we get a little bit of poppy's internal dialogue this is incredible the music's so loud I can hardly hear myself think you know people are coming up and talking to Tora you know of course they're all warm but muted and then we get this first picture here Mm -hmm. of her where those cool blue tones are like really encroaching on her for the first time and you know when you point out that you're not sure if Torah or Poppy is the fallen angel. And I think it's it's interesting. I think we have one that is fallen and one that is falling. Ooh, one is fallen. there and then one is entering that world voluntarily. Um, especially because it's one of the most fascinating things about the way that Lily writes these characters is none of them are either or. You know, we all love the fact that Torah is a big aggressive guy who's a teddy bear way way down under eighteen thousand layers of <laughs> like anger and trauma um and then we also noticed that poppy is incredibly bubbly and sweet and lovely and effervescent and floral on the top and there's something steely and a little dark underneath there you know she when she wants to can be very manipulative she's extremely perceptive she knows how people see her and how to use that to her advantage like none of these characters are binary mm-hmm. um and your your point about fallen angel i think can apply to both of them really well in this scenario and i think that really beautiful moment of coloring right there probably it seems deliberate you know there was so much time spent on rendering that one particular panel that I think it marks a, a subtle transition point for Poppy. I love it. I love you're it. So you're right. right. You're right. There's a lot of detail in that one specific image. Yeah. Like it was obviously like so much time was spent on this one. Yeah. There are the story panels and then there are the art panels. Yes. And she's and she's grasping onto Tora in that panel too, I think. Like you actually see like he was holding her and dragging her like behind him. She's actually holding onto his arm in that one, like. I don't know like I don't know if it's that she's she was originally when I was just reading it surface level I was thinking that she was overwhelmed but oh, like wait. yeah but I just and it's shine like her her hand is shining I don't know why I, I, but I liked that that little detail that it's like glittering like it draws your eye to her hand grasping onto his jacket yeah 
and you just have these bands of like blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, like cold, warm, cold, warm, cold, warm, all over her body in that one shot, which probably took three times as long as the other panels in this to render. I wonder if like, I'm probably reading too much into this, but like the blue warm, blue warm is like hot and cold, hot and cold. You know, he loves me. He loves me not. I'm going to kiss him. He's not into me. Um, I love him. He's not my, you know, he, he would never be into me like that. That um, love that dichotomies in, in literature. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And one thing, even like when um, we were saying she's gripping his hand. So yeah, I did see it like, yeah, she's overwhelmed, but also that she's like relying on him for support. And like, she knows that he's more familiar with this world. And I thought it was sweet that she felt she could be secure with him, like as her guide. So speaking of which, I need to, I'm going to look this up now. Um, but when they were, so now that, that um, Leslie's got me primed for Regina's peak, they had that conversation where um, Poppy was saying she wished she was more like Tora because he seemed, and I don't remember what she was saying to him, but she was like saying how like he was like, it was easy to talk to him or that he was easy. I'm trying to I have to look it up. Um, but now I'm, I'm trying to see each other through their eyes because like we obviously are like omniscient. We're seeing all the information, but I keep trying to put myself between it, like into their own, their own shoes because um, they don't have all the information. And so keep, keep no. talking. I need, to find, I need to find this one, this one conversation because all it's right. slowly clicking in my brain. So I wanted to say something that I loved about that Patty said about this whole, you know, going into the cave thing. So, you know, we know that it's the symbolic of Patty, of Patty, Patty. I know Patty would love to be in the world, but Poppy descending into his world. But she was saying how, like, when he walks in, right, it's dark and it's overwhelming with tons of music. And there's a lot of, it's a very physical place, a lot of bodies dancing. It's very sexual. It's about a lot about, like, lust and pleasure. And when Tora walks through the crowd, you know, everyone's looking at him and, Gosh, I might be mixing that with, with other things. Right, where this is a world of like people who are always physically focused on him as a, as a physical human being. And they're all, you know, all the women there are like staring at him and he's like an object, he's a piece of me to them. So, you know, you can see why he would be frustrated and sick of that. And he gravitates towards Poppy who doesn't see him as this physical piece of me. She sees past, past that. Oh, I thought that was cool. I love that. Well, Patty's that makes sense. An interesting, uh, one, one thing, um, I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time taking in this panel the first couple of times I read through it. Um, as you point that out, you know, a lot of people coming up and like, you know, wanting to hang on to Torah. It's interesting that we see all of these indications of a lot of people liking Torah. Um, you know, like Torah, Torah is a kind of a scary dude. You know, he's like six foot whatever and made of muscle and we know about his resting bitch face um but anytime he walks into these social settings you know we have a lot of people who express some sort of prior friendly relationship with him like there's at least some indication that he can that he can hold a room in a super social setting um but nowhere have we actually seen him engaging in that kind of behavior. Nowhere have we seen him sort of, you know, like knowing, actively engaging in small talk. He's usually just really grumpy and trying to get everybody off his back. So I wonder if in the next arc or two, like forget even the next couple of episodes, but like in the next arc or two of this story, if we will see enough of Tora's backstory to understand maybe when and where and how that switch occurred. I hadn't thought of it 
until now, frankly. So, but um, now that you're mentioning that, it's, it's making me think that. Um, how I so Taurus seems like the kind of person that draws people to him based on his actions. So right. like even his close friends, like you and Quincy he doesn't text them back. He doesn't verbally say anything mm -hmm. to them. He's never active in their chat. He's not, he's not loquacious. He doesn't speak. He doesn't share. Right. He just sends captionless photos once every six weeks. Yeah. But everyone seems to have some kind of connection to him. You is thanking him for all that he's done. Like obviously Quincy has, relies on Tora a lot. So I get the impression that, um, Tora is a, um, like an active service love kind of person where like he's never going to tell you his feelings but he's going to do things that you just you know he cares just based on his actions so like I'm sure that if any one of these guys like even if he pretends or doesn't actually know their names if one of them was in a pickle he'd be there um Goliath he, who like he has an awful relationship with now who turned him into the police like he asked for help and Taurus says fuck you but then well, can I say that I'm sorry <laughs> but, but then uh he shows here, up it's okay yeah, but then he like he goes. So it's 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 not a verbal thing for him. It's completely like animalistic and physical. Like he is, he's an instinctive person. He just does. That's a really um, good point. Sorry. Really good point. No, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's I don't know. Well, I I want to see more of the the backgrounds, like you said. I don't know if it'll be a story or just like a specific thing that he did for them, but I want it. Yeah. 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 I I love that, and I also I was like. I was both surprised and not surprised because I was surprised because I was like, oh, wait, I, I thought Torah is standoffish and doesn't have friends. But on the other hand, I know that he's a person who commands respect. And I totally presumed, like you guys said, I think there is an element like where everybody knows that he, I, I don't I don't know, if, like they probably don't see him the way we do. Like we see him a little bit of like a pity object because we understand his background and he's forced into it. But I think they do understand that there's like some kind of dignity and nobility to him. Um, and they understand that he's like a moral person. Um, at least that maybe if they can't articulate it either, but I do think that maybe that's the reason they give him respect and that without even understanding why. But I want to also go off what you said, Emily. It's really interesting. So <laughs> I don't know if you've done this, but I have sat there and analyzed whether Torah and I would be compatible romantic partners. Okay. Um, I'll just fess up for the whole fandom. So, and I'm very into like, I was, since I was younger, I was very into compatibility and personality compatibility and what makes people compatible. And um, I had like a whole list before I met my husband of like what I need in a husband. And he met like nine out of 10 and, you know, like 10 years later and, you know, sure we like had our share of, of fights, but like we're, we're still very, very, very compatible. And I was think like, you know, would I be compatible with Torah? And my, my initial thought was no, because, um, and my husband's very, very, very intellectual, um, absent-minded professor all the way, like thousand books in the house, reads all day, knows everything about European history from like a thousand years ago. Um, and he's a philosopher. So, and that's something that I really value. And I was like, I would never be able to communicate with a guy like Torah because like what you said, Emily, he's very intuitive. And I was like, I was trying to think, I was like, Torah, I was like, he's not, it's not that he's not smart. I was like, he's definitely smart, but what is it? It's like, and then I realized like, my husband's like good with words, abstract concepts, but Torah is like, he has this like intuition wisdom. It's like this, you said, you said like animal instinct. There's something about that. Like, and I don't know, I don't, I think I think about it as much. So I don't know if I know how the words articulated, but he has this immense, yes, this wisdom and this like nobility and this character where, you know, I feel like sometimes I myself personally have to work on um, appreciating that in people because I tend to look at people for their, their smarts first. And I, this cartoon has honestly taught me a lot to like, understand and appreciate people who are not like me and just to value them 
even though they don't have like the academic stuff, which is like, unfortunately, this is like the number one thing. And I really have to like work on myself, like, okay, people have more traits than just that. And they're, they can be incredibly like wonderful and powerful and, and wise and generous and noble without being academically book smart. So, so my I'm, little soliloquy here. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm thinking that um, it comes from a place of confidence because we talk about a lot of Torah's negative self-traits. Um, he's a little bit self-loathing. He does not obviously have a high opinion of himself as we've seen from conversations with him and Hugh. Um, the way people in the clan have tr treated him, the higher-ups have treated him, like there's no wonder. Um, but I think he at least knows he's good at what he does. And a lot of the times having that confidence in his ability gives him just the... the the, the ability to just kind of do what needs to get done. So if a friend is in trouble and they don't know what to do, he's going to do it for you. Um, you know, if, if someone needs help with anything, like it's not, he doesn't waste time. Like um, Quincy screaming for help when Benjamin's falling over, like he just comes over, picks Benjamin up and does what needs to get done. Like he just does whatever will help someone instinctively. He just knows how to do it. Um, so I think I had like a friend in college that like everyone was just gravitated towards her and she was, she was just very good at everything. She was intelligent, she was artistic and she was just, she would just do it. If you needed something, she was there, she would do it. She didn't ask questions. She wasn't very like outspoken. It was just, I'm here for you. What do you need? Let's get it done. And like a lot of the times she, someone would come up to her and would be talking to her and smiling and walk away. And she's like, I don't know who the heck that guy is. I'm like, well, you helped him out in class at one time. She's like, oh, okay. But like, so it's kind of, I see that in Torah where it's like, he might not necessarily remember you, but like, he, if he saw you and you needed help, he would have done it. He would have, he would have been there. Um, so I think a lot of people, he's probably that person that has a lot of people that love him. And he's just like, why, why are these people following me? And he doesn't get that. It's just because he's reliable. He's a, he's a good person. And people see that in him. Uh, I wish Tori could hear us talking so he could build up his self-esteem. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, okay. he's probably also suspicious because equally as many people want to use him. For, yeah, you know, his power. Um, that must be, that would be a very difficult position to be in to have all of those people, like Emily is saying, you know, trust you and like fundamentally believe you're a good person. And then uh, all of these people just want to use you as a rung on the ladder. And so, contrast to what I just said, he also doesn't have a lot of confidence in himself. So, that's where we see this, this panel where, um, Poppy's going to meet her friends and he's just back he's kind of like hanging back and then he just walks away and I I think a lot of people commented about this but I saw that as like he was uncomfortable in that situation and just kind of left and did his, he was he was like I don't know what to do here Poppy's with her friends I'm a little bit awkward I'm gonna go off and do my own thing and and then get shit done he takes care of it per, well you know take care of the perimeter like he goes into like what needs to get done mode because he doesn't know how to socialize which he was doing great with Jacob in the office but like this seems like uh I'm out of my element let's go back let's fall back to what I'm comfortable with um so I barely even noticed it but yeah I think, I think it was like subconsciously noticing but I didn't I didn't think about it yeah wow that's profound so yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this panel he's just standing back there like this. So little. <laughs> a little awkward bump on a log. Six foot three awkward bump on a log. Hand in the pocket. Like, well, um. I'm so curious, by the way, what do you think was going through his head when he presumably, some people, it may still have been Quincy, when he presumably chose his outfit? Because this, was he aware of how like stunning he would look in that outfit? Like, what do you think? I think he knows he looks that? good. 
he's feeling himself here. He's, he's smart enough and self-aware enough to like both know what he does, you know, in the like realms of things that contribute to self-loathing and also to know the effect he has on people. Like women's so so fine. <laughs> you know, he knows he looks great. He knows how to maximize it. I think he knows he looks fly and, you know, he knows how to underscore it. So he probably feels great. He would not roll up to part Poppy's birthday party without like six different outfit decks. <laughs> he cares about Poppy enough to like have the whole little like highly contained and nervous breakdown in front of Quincy quadruple checking his outfits to make well, sure that he looked good. We saw what happened at Alice's restaurant. I, I think of that as a song called See? Alice's Restaurant. See? Uh, but yeah, he's freaking out about the hair. He's screaming for Quincy's hair product. Like, I think I, I can definitely picture how much worse it must have been in this scenario. Right. Like, there's a reason that Quincy is not even in this episode. It's because he's okay, 45 minutes pre-gaming <laughs> just to recover. <laughs> having to handle Tora's breakdown over his outfit. Tora probably used all of his hair gel, and now what is he going to do his own hair? Go buy more. Yeah. But <laughs> because Quincy is Quincy, his hair gel is, you know, like made of the tears of unicorns and is from the opposite <laughs> side of the country. Like... They have to helicopter there and back, yeah. and that's why Quincy's late to the birthday party. <laughs> Canon, you can't change my mind. No, great. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was a bit surprised because I thought that like, maybe he wouldn't want to draw so much attention to himself because um, I just realized I have to plug in my battery. <laughs> Hold on, but give me a second, guys. You can keep talking. It's okay. I also just got like a, like the troubles of curly hair. I have a hair that's poking me in the eye, but I can't find it. I'm doing that. Well, so I need to entertain you. Okay, okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> good, because I I can't juggle. <laughs> so, <laughs> anywho, so in that scene where he's drawing back, um, Poppy is, you know, seeing Ardine and Jacob, and I was so curious to see what they were wearing as well. Ardine is wearing this basically blazer and mini skirt or pants, I think, and what it is. It's white. It's just a blazer. There's cleavage showing. It's her tattoo. No display. It's awesome. And Jacob is wearing a shirt, as usual. It's pink, and he was wearing green pants, but he looks cute. He <laughs> does, and his hair is all done. The gel, like, yeah. he, like he makes an effort. He makes an effort. Yeah. He's just completely eclipsed by the work of art <laughs> that is sitting next to him. Absolutely. <laughs> like, but that's his role, you know? He's the sidekick. He's the he is. Guy. Yeah, he's a great sidekick. Yes. He's a multi-layered, nuanced sidekick, and I can't wait to see a little bit more of him, but also, <laughs> yeah, there's a hierarchy of outfits. So I had, <laughs> I had a question for this part, because I think everyone read it a little bit differently, and I'm curious what everyone's take on it was. Um, when when Jacob mentions, I'm surprised you're actually enjoying yourself, Pop, she says, because, uh, but of course, I'm a party animal, and um the way I read that was like kind of serious, not it, like, a, like I read it as like, like cutesy, like, yeah, like I like parties. Like why, why does no one like, of course I like party. Like, I don't think she's an extroverted like rager, but like, I think like she was like, she's just quietly acknowledging that like, yeah, I can have fun here too. Um, but some people read that as like dead pans, like snark, which is definitely upper alley of like, I'm a party animal, of course, like, <laughs> like deadpan, like 
as if like she's not this isn't her type of thing so I was curious what your take was I think I read it as Poppy's sort of trademark self-awareness of the way she looks like like I'm I'm the sweet innocent girl next door like of course you know she 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 like plays that duality really well like of course I'm I'm a party animal it fits you know? the <laughs> right yeah. Like, it does look a little cutesy. Of course, I'm a party animal, duh. <laughs> um, knowing that she's not, but also, you know, she's like on one level, she's, you know, playing to Jacob, being like, you know, I'm a sweet little introvert, you know, like playing up that joke. Well, of course, I'm a party animal, but I think we also have seen enough of her like getting blackout drunk on an entire bottle of Campari. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Ah, my liver hurt just looking at that with her friends, you know. So I think it, it's it's like there there are three or four levels of of nuance to that kind of self awareness deadpan joke. I think it is absolutely a joke, but one that has so many levels of nuance to it. I relate, I relate to that blackout scene because I'm very similar. I'm not. I'm really not a heavy drinker. I don't drink like if I have a drink a month like that's weird for me um even in college like I would bring a bottle of wine with me to like ragers yeah. um and I would just like drink the wine from the bottle but like when I <laughs> when I when I do drink I drink like I, I will not have anything for months and then I'll have like two or three glasses of whiskey in a night and then like and then people will be like what is happening to Emily yeah so I like I relate to that because like I'm not I'm not a party animal at all but like if the need arises and it could be fun to let loose and like awesome and like I'm not going to do it halfway (laughs) so I thought that was I definitely see that as like a joke but also not a joke yeah I think that's why I got it right away too because I have made some variation of that joke to people within my circle many many times because Uh I am as introverted as they come all of my friends know that I put on the super extroverted face when I'm with colleagues, when I'm at rehearsals, when I'm doing the whole backstage performing thing. And then I'm for six weeks. Um, I'm the kind of person like I will buy a bottle of wine and it will turn to vinegar in the fridge because I forgot I bought it and opened it. But then when I go party with my people, the art people, like, <laughs> there is a level of keeping up that you have to do with these kind of people. And I can keep up in these super specific instances and I have a great time then I have to go be a hermit for another six weeks. Um, There's a level of, well, duh, of course, I'm a party animal. (laughs) The person you haven't heard from for six weeks because they've been like, turtling (laughs) and walking in the forest. You're very dramatic. I feel like, I would say, I feel like you should do drama, but you already do, so. (laughs) I do gender bendy drama too. Yeah. <laughs> the number of times I've played a woman, I can count on one hand. The number of times I've played a man, it's just like. <laughs> well, opera, it, it tends to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it. I get to kiss a lot of girls. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, think yeah, I should be self aware enough to like make fun of herself, like making fun of herself, and it goes back and forth like six different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jacob, of course, misses most of it. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I read it that like she was probably referenced in my that in her head she was thinking of herself as like a party animal because she had been that but like Ergene and Jacob don't know that about her because I can definitely Ooh, see like, I like that one too yeah that there's elements of like yourself that when you especially because they don't know her for that long 
uh, that people just don't know about you. So I think that, you know, mm -hmm. she might identify as a party animal, but they just don't think of her that way. She's joking to herself almost as much as she is to Jacob. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's having a little tiny joke at all their expense. And I was like so happy, by the way, when when Erdine mentioned, she's like, look, Quincy reserved this lounge area for us. It's so much quieter here. Thank God my ears are the bleeding. I was like, thankfully, because I remember um, <laughs> back to like being having grown up very religious. I didn't go to any, I went to Jewish concerts, but um, I, the first time I went to a concert that wasn't Jewish, I was like, I'm never going again because I was sure that I lost half my hearing in that concert. And uh, so, yeah, so my, I felt such relief when Erdine said that. I was like, thank God, they're not going to lose the hearing. <laughs> And I actually did lose my hearing. I have, I'm deaf on the left ear, but not because of the concerts. That's just because of like uh, a random infection. But um, so anyway, so I don't want them to lose their hearing. <laughs> that seems like at least one kindness from Quincy since he at least gave her one safe haven because he made her wear six inch heels for the rest of the night. Yeah. You know, Tora just like absolutely lost it at the sight of what those heels did to her calves. Oh, they were. You're absolutely. You were all talking about Quincy and Tora's calves. Poppy's calves were. She was Poppy's calves in those heels, especially. Especially because Poppy's not stick thin. Like there are some curves, like leading straight up into that jacket, and Tora's brain is not working correctly right now. Thank you, Quincy. We love you. <laughs> we love Quincy. <laughs> Wingman to all. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, <laughs> I'm wondering why he told her to wear sneakers, just like as a, or Dean, just like as a lookout for he, her health. He gives a crap about the comfort of other people, but there is a mission <laughs> that supersedes Poppy's, like, blisters. And yeah, it, was, it was Also, Jacob. he knows that Poppy is not going to trip and fall, because what does Poppy have? Poppy has a six foot three, like, security mattress who will <laughs> literally pick her up off the ground rather than see her roll an ankle. Also, and we want to do like an over under on whether or not this happens within the next two episodes. Anything yeah. else? <laughs> um, but also it was, it's uh, Jacob that's wearing sneakers, not Aradine. Jacob was going to go walk around and take pictures for his girlfriend. And he was saying that uh, Quincy told him to wear sneakers. Aradine's uh, wearing boots, I think. Um, yeah. And Aradine's tall enough. She doesn't even need heels. Yeah, no, she's, okay. she's got that already. I assumed it was Erdine because it's on the right side and Erdine was talking from the right side, but I don't know, let's see. Huh. I think it also flips because we're seeing Poppy in profile as opposed to from the back. So oh, I see. both Jacob right. and Erdine are I, on the right of that panel. I like, yeah. like the, because the, they, they'd gone shopping together. So I, I liked the idea of Quincy and Tora and Jacob like discussing their outfits for the night. <laughs> they were... <laughs> They're going shopping and, and what he should be wearing. Which is I want to see a flashback of that shopping so bad. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yeah, it's yeah. cute. But we know his girlfriend's name is Megs, by the way. So she seems more real. Some people were speculating on whether she was real or not because they're like, oh yeah, Jacob, your girlfriend likes Quincy's novels. But she has a name, so more likely she's real. <laughs> yes. I thought she's just like a super sweet, lovely girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or she's like a biker chick oh, that, would, <laughs> that would be a, a sharp contrast um rebecca liked about ardine that what ardine was wearing is obviously super sexy and awesome but it's also understated enough that it doesn't take poppy's limelight and like she liked oh. that because like as a supportive friend there for her like friend's birthday you know she doesn't want to overshadow her i thought that was nice yeah agreed <laughs> very cute 
Okay, so Torah has moved to the bar and he has his acolytes following him, or as um, I think it was Christina Egan who coined the term, the thuglets. I love it. Yeah, it's the only acceptable term henceforth. Yes. <laughs> and there's some amazing, beyond amazing memes to accompany it in the Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about one of them lately with this very particular young man. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah. So the the two guys that are with um, with Torah are like, okay, I'll have this, I'll have that, and <laughs> which is really cute. You see how much they turn to him because one guy, um, the guy with pink hair, who will find out his name in a second, he says, I don't know, maybe I'll have a, and then the other guy is like, let me see what you having, bro. Which I think he's talking about Torah. Is he talking about like Torah, like which? To me, it would underscore the extent of how much they admire Torah. They're like, I don't know, I'll have whatever Torah is having. <laughs> but did, yeah, <laughs> meanwhile, Torah's not even paying attention. You're just like, yo, pinky. <laughs> yeah. And so, right, Torah's like, secure the rest of the area in here. He's like, got it, bro, big bro, just me. And he doesn't look at him. And he has this, like, you know, like we say, Torah has resting bitch face. So he has resting furrowed eyebrows, or like, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's always <laughs> like, I am serious. Yes. I am sunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes and um now he says the line that makes us all laugh our heads off he's like <clears throat> all of you he's like got it and um name's Demian. i've been following you since eighth grade i'm a sagittarius <laughs> oh god oh your game is weak <laughs> so much snark and i love it <laughs> snark i i viewed it as like so, so Christina, I, no, Laura, I can't remember. Sorry, I should remember if it's flying my name out. Made this meme where it's like, he's in the, he's like, just please notice me, notice me, said bye, notice me, he's in a hamster suit. And we have a lot of debate about this. So, right, he's like, you know, he wants to, to have, get towards attention. He's like, and my favorite, like what my favorite color is, is pink. And um, Torek cuts him off and he's like, I hurt your feelings. He sweats, he's like, no, no sir. Good, then get to work, got it. So we have a lot to discuss here and I'll let you guys go first about what you think about what does Tor- Damien feel towards Torah? Is it romantic? Is it like you're admiring? And then about Torah's reaction to him. So go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I basically have two ideas that I just, I don't have a particular opinion because I don't know that I have enough I don't have a particular opinion between the two because I just don't have enough information yet. Yeah. Uh, either Damien's gay and is crushing on Torah like a reasonable straight, like a reasonable man would when confronted with Torah. Um, and he is sort of like, I'm too cool to care. I'm throwing this out like a joke, but actually like notice me someday, uh, trying to flirt with Torah um, and getting shut down a giveaway might have been star sign because i don't know that i've actually met a straight man who is into astrology but all of my male and non-binary friends who are not straight are very into astrology so i don't know maybe a giveaway maybe not maybe i'm being reductive or he's a straight dude who is annoyed with torah for like still not learning his name since the eighth grade who is cleaning it up, the Torah. Like, um, yeah, you know, I followed you since the eighth grade and I'm a Sagittarius. My favorite color is pink, you know. <laughs> you still can't remember. That's this how I see To your crew like eight years ago and you still don't know and I'm just gonna rub your nose in it. Either one, I don't know. I don't have a particular opinion between the two. 
either one would be hilarious. And then yeah, Corey just puts yeah. it because he's done. We need more data to know, but I, I took, when I, when I read it in my mind, I read it as the snarky, like, like, dude, I've been here. Like, I've literally been in your crew for how long now and you still don't know my name. Like, that's kind of what I took it. But like, not in like an angry, but like kind of in like a slightly hurt and is like covering it up in like his like little like joking way. Mm -hmm.